here we go. The Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. Thrilled you are here today. Listening to a wonderful conversation that I had a few days ago with Sasha O'Connor. Um, she's a yoga teacher now in Wil- well, she's she's been a yoga teacher for a lo- uh, for a while, but she's currently teaching in Wilmington, North Carolina. Also teaches online for Bodhi Live. You can find her on IG at SeishaYoga.com. And so, yeah, I'm just I'm thrilled you're here today. Got a great conversation in store for you. You know where to find me on Instagram at Eddie Cohn or the Spiritual Spiral Podcast. I think before the conversation, I, I was thinking about Seisha a few weeks ago because she really adds a lot of nuanced perspective and thoughtfulness to the world we live in right now. I, I really, I don't know if, if it's what I'm reading or consuming. I, I feel like I need to just sort of take a step back and sort of just live in a little bubble right now because it just feels like a toxic, dangerous world sometimes that we live in. I just just for perspective here, you know I'm a big sports fan and, and all these contracts are coming out uh, with these NBA players and Adrian Wojnarowski on Twitter is announcing all these incredibly insane multi-million dollar contracts, players making 40 million dollars a year, players that you don't even know who who they are, what team they play on are making like 10 to 20 million dollars a year. So that's happening while COVID is ravaging the world. Yet all these professional athletes are making millions of dollars and people are losing jobs and struggling to make ends meet. And then Twitter, Instagram and social media sort of this cesspool of toxic energy where people can't have conversations anymore. You know, if you bring up anything, any if you bring up any sort of nuanced perspective that goes against what the media or what everybody else is sharing, you know, you're the worst human being in the world. And, and I do think it's affecting the way people think and communicate. It's really... I just finished watching this, this documentary called Fake Famous on HBO. Highly suggest it. And I'll share one perspective with you before you hear the talk. Right now, there are millions of people that don't care about anything happening in our culture because they are so addicted to the dopamine they're getting every single day on Instagram. They think 10,000 followers, 50,000 followers makes them famous, and that is more of a priority than anything else going on right now. People care more right now about watching the second season of Dead to Me than anything else going on right now. I just got rid of Netflix a few days ago. I, I just I think it's so easy to get on this rabbit hamster wheel of just consuming, 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 and not really thinking. And it's like, is it going to end? When is this going to end? Is it possible? How do we survive this chaotic world? I certainly don't have the answers, but it feels like having thoughtful face-to-face conversations is a great way to feel better about life. I know I always feel better after having a guest on the show or going out to dinner with friends, and I just felt much more uplifted and hopeful and just happier after sitting down and speaking to Seisha. So I hope you enjoy the conversation I had with her. Again, you can find her on Instagram at Seisha Yoga. If you're in North Carolina, take one of her yoga classes, or you can even take one online at Bodhi Live. That's B-O-D-H-I. And that's it. You know where to find me on Instagram, Twitter, at Eddie Cohn. Any questions, please find me and send me a DM. I have a bunch of new music that's slowly coming out. You can go to iameddiecone.com. You can can also go to eddiecone.bandcamp.com to find and listen to this new music. And that's it. Thanks again to Seisha for taking the time to be on the show. And thank you to you for listening, supporting, and being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. 
are you? I'm good. Good. How you doing? I'm good. Good. Yeah, it was a rainy day today in Wilmington, but you know. Yeah. Just first of all, how, how you doing? Like, how's everything going? I'm good. Um, I was in LA actually for 11 days and got back on the fourth and hit the ground running. Yeah. Like Friday, I think was my first day off, and since I got home from LA on the fourth. Yeah. But, um, yeah, things are good. Why were you out here? Um, one of my little sisters, she's married to an Aussie, and he, her, and their baby moved to Australia. Okay. Wow. Got out of bailed to Australia, so. Yeah. Yeah, so we were out there um, helping her pack. I was, well, my mom was really helping her pack. I was watching the baby. Okay. And just there spending time with them before they leave because it'll probably be like three or four years before we can see them and go over there to really go over there to see them. So, yeah. yeah. Because of just the world that we live in right now or? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and who knows if we'll actually be able to ever get in the country. <laughs> I know, I know. No, it's, it's a crazy time we're in right now. It's but totally yeah, crazy. So that's kind of our... What we're thinking, it'll probably be like three or four years. Yeah, yeah. Man. Before we see them. So wanted to spend time with them before they went. And it was one of those vacations where I need a vacation after. Sure. It was so much just like go, go, go. Because between me and my son, it's like we were also trying to fit in seeing all our close friends out there at the same time. Yeah. So it was nonstop. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was good, though. I, seeing all the people I love and care about, great, very rewarding in itself. So yeah, you yeah. look like you're glowing and relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't feel that way, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you hide it well then. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. How are you? How's LA treating you? You know, um, everything is is generally. I, I, everything is generally really good, you know, it's, it's long as my brain doesn't think too much, although it's really hard for me not to, um, yeah. but it's been a very prolific, um, year creatively. Um, good. yeah, my book is done. The, it's hopefully going to be out by the end of the year or the spring. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Um, I think you'll actually. I can't tell you what it's about. I will just say it's a satire, but I think okay. you'll. I think you'll get a kick out of it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, but um, generally things are are really good, healthy. That's great. Um, That's good. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's weird. I I was thinking about you a couple months ago, and then I thought about you. You know, it's weird. My I I like see these things and absorb them, but then they always get me thinking. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, when I started my podcast about like a year ago, I, I had this strange belief that no, I can never have a guest on twice. But then I was listening to other podcasts and they're, they're like, they have people on five, 10 times. So I'm like, what am I doing? Who cares? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> so random stuff here. Okay. Hit so me. I, I have a couple friends, uh, women friends, that don't shave their armpits. Okay. And I just met somebody uh, mm -hmm. a few days ago who, who doesn't also. Okay. And so my girlfriend and I were talking on the way home. We were sort of like, and I don't like to read on my podcast, but I'm going to read something to you. We were like, God, wh where did that stigma come from? Like, where did it suddenly become a thing where women should, quote unquote, shave their legs and their armpits. So I type it in Google, at like the history of, of underarm hair or something. So developments in these industries enabled, and this is back in like the early 1900s, mm -hmm. uh, an advertising campaign began in 1908 to show American people that, that female underarm hair was offensive. These industries were the male hair removal product industry. And at the time, Gillette had just come out with like the razor blades and they were making a killing because men were shaving, but they weren't reaching uh, women. Women demographic. Right. So they, so coupling that with the women's clothing fashion industry 
began producing sheer and sleeveless evening gowns and dresses. And so advertising sort of evolved and developed in magazines. And they were writing these words that were making women believe you would look better in these dresses if you shaved your arm hair, underarm hair. And I was thinking, God, it's, it's, it's like, it's amazing the power of advertising and these corporations. Obviously, this correlates today, but this is back in fucking like 1908 and that's going on. Yeah, I mean, that's wild. But it, it's so evident. I was I actually just posted something on my story on Instagram, just a quick little like, can we just talk about this real quick? Because now it's like filters, right? These yeah. filters are completely altering people's faces based on what society or media or whatever deems as beautiful. Yeah. Like you, you'll have to go and look at it, but this filter completely alters my face, like makes my upper lip much bigger, like it has plastic surgery or Botox and like trims in the side of it's it's wild, but it comes up as like one of the top suggested filters, just maybe because it's the most popular. Like I don't ever use filters almost, but it's like just constantly seeing that and having it put in front of your face, that becomes the consciousness or the norm, right? That becomes our conditioning of like, oh, well, this is what's normal. This is what's normal. This is what's normal, right? And so that's basically what it is. It's just conditioning over time. And then we completely forget about what is actually normal. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's it's crazy. But um yeah, that's wild. I know. I, I it's but then it got me thinking like because people will say to me as I sort of question and criticize our culture's obsession with with the superficial and, and like appearances all the time. But gosh, this is 1908. So clearly somebody was thinking whether it was the CEO of Gillette or the first fashion magazines, we need to make women feel insecure. And so mm -hmm. they can then go out and do this thing. It's kind of just bleeds into the whole like, not, but like white men in power, right? It's like, we have to make people think that they are lesser than they are so we can make money and continue to be in power. Yeah. It's, it's a wild complex it, and it continues in so many different facets throughout the world even today. I guess like, when did you, I mean, I feel like you, you at least give off this persona of, of not caring what people think. And, and, but I, I do think we all subconsciously have to care else we wouldn't be human beings. I mean, we're all right. sensitive yeah. souls, but at what point did you sort of, at what age were you aware of like, not necessarily maybe the power of, of your body or the power of like the, the culture's view of what you should be doing or, or do you know what I'm saying? There's kind of like a couple layers yeah. of um, I don't know. I guess I've always been an anomaly in so many ways. Um, because as like a child, I was very much a tomboy because I grew up with eight older brothers. So like, and because I was raised in a very conscious mindset of like, the body being created a certain way, and everything has a function. And you know what I mean? It's like, I was raised in a yogi mindset right, of finding non-attachment and acceptance and surrender, right, all these different things. So it's like, I'm an anomaly in that sense of like, growing up, it's like I was running around in bikini bottoms with no top on until I was probably five or six, yeah. not even registering that like, people might be thinking that's weird, or like, what's wrong with these parents? Like, where's this little girl's parents, right? At, but at the same time, we lived in a very different time. Like there's obviously like sexual predators and pedophilia is on the rise so much due to the overwhelming consciousness yeah. that our culture is building and developing, right? Um, so I definitely think like in today's day and age, I probably wouldn't let my six-year-old girl run around topless on the beach, right? But just yeah. because there are those factors um, and then I was a tomboy probably up until I was like 19 and then, but like wearing boys jeans, men's t-shirts. Cause I surfed as well. I started surfing at 15 
And so it was very much just a tomboy and was would wear what the server guys wore, but because female surfing wasn't really a thing yet at that point. Um, yeah, but I mean, even like being 16, 17, it's like I would be sitting in the community center's jacuzzi talking about the existence of the soul and the existence of God with random strangers not caring whether or not they were like, oh, this girl's weird, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. So I never, I guess it's like, there's definitely moments where it's kind of like, oh, if somebody's judgment comes out, it like, it, it'll catch me, but then I have to sit with it of being like, well, is that like something you're really worried about or is that your false ego that's being t hurt, right? Yeah. Just like false ego being like, oh, I'm so great and mighty and whatever it is. And then somebody like lashing out at you and telling you otherwise. But it's like, okay, which is it? Is it like, is that really a judgment against you or is it your false ego that's being kicked in the butt, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know, I guess. <clears throat> I really resonate though with, with anybody that can retain any sort of uh, innocence you know, yeah. and I think, I mean, I'm not a parent, but um, I just think it's really, but I do think part of my issue with trying to stay off social media is I think it's really important to have a clear head, a clear mind and sort of like be yourself. And I yes. think if you, as a, as a, as a mother, I'm sure, you know, you um, want to try and allow your son to retain as much innocence and self decision making mm -hmm. abilities as possible. And it's, yeah, it's so which and and it's hard in today's day and age, right? Because it's like self decision making in parenting or just as individuals is so important to really get in touch with who we are, right? It's like decision making and experiential information is so much of kind of how we get in touch with like, oh, this feels right. No, this doesn't. But then it's like with social media, YouTube, it's like there is so much that strips away their innocence so early and so easily that it's really kind of dancing this fine line. It's like my son, I allow him to play video games and he'll get on YouTube, but I definitely like I'm kind of watching as to what <laughs> he's obviously watching, right? But it's like, I'm not going to allow him to get a cell phone until he's probably 16 and driving. And yeah. like, I need to be able to get a hold of him, you know, just because I don't want him to have access to everything <laughs> right out the gate. Right. And that is one really actually nice thing about being here in Wilmington is I feel like people in LA always ask me how it is. I'm like, oh, you know, it's like time travel. It's kind of like time traveling 30 years ago, maybe. Right. In the sense that even kids here, like there's definitely kids that are like mature or maturity or, or what they're talking about and the dialogue they're discussing is like way beyond anything I was discussing at 12. But for the most part, my son's kids, it's like because it is the South, there's still kind of this like layer of conservative being like a little bit more conservative, right? Yeah. And so like language and not listening to certain types of music or, you know what I mean? It's like those rules are still kind of there, which I really appreciate because I think it is very important to maintain a layer of innocence and just allow them to be kids until they're not kids anymore. Right. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a funny dance. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's nonstop. <laughs> Yeah, that I'm trying to maneuver, but it's like that was one of my main reasons I left L.A. was in fourth grade. I <clears throat> was dealing with so much drama within the school system that he was in. Um, but the main thing that really like shook me was he had a fifth grader. He was in fourth grade, my son. He was in fourth grade and he had this fifth grader who's like the older cool kid, right? He's like, hey, Kula, you want to know something? And Kula being fourth grade and inquisitive and curious, he's like, yeah, sure. This fifth grader who has to be what? He's maybe 10, 9, 10, like if he was old in his class. He's like, girls are, girls are supposed to suck boys' dick. 
Okay. And so then Nikula comes home and we have to have this discussion in, and in my opinion, that's way too early to yeah. be discussing that because you're then planting that seed and then it leaves them like, whereas for me, I didn't learn about that t- stuff till I was probably 16 or 17. Yeah. Right. So it was just like, and that was just one of the things, but it was like a snowball effect of just all this stuff. And I was just like, how are these kids? Why? Yeah. <laughs> what is happening? Um, so that was one of my main drives is to get out of LA was for my son to try and preserve some of his innocence. Do you know the story about Elliot Page being trans and and um, she's she's Ellen, he was Ellen Page from the show from the movie Juno? Yes, 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 yes. I, I haven't followed it closely, but I do yeah. know. Well, he was he was speaking to Oprah uh, Oprah Winfrey last week, and it's actually really heartfelt and insightful. Um, but it was a few things that I was thinking about. You know, they're. They're talking about, ironically, how so many of our judgments, prejudices, are created by the entertainment industry. And here are all these uber-liberal Democrats, many of them, you know, actors, actresses, talking about, you know, these issues in America, yet I just think there's some thick irony um, when so much, I think, of what is learned and thought is by, is from what kids and people are watching in movies and TV shows. And I think about this show, Euphoria, that was on HBO, which I loved. But it's basically showing this incredibly salacious activity uh, from teenagers. Mm-hmm. And it's and I, 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 I just kids are watching that show. And it's sort of like if they're seeing all this drug use going on, all this sexuality going on at the age of 14, 15, 16 or 17, that is impacting. Uh, I think yeah. we're I think we're naive uh, to think that Hollywood isn't really controlling what's going on. I mean, to an, a degree, right? I mean, it's the same thing with that show that was on Netflix, 13 Reasons Why. Oh, right, yes. Suicide, right? It actually made teenage suicide shoot up so much, statistically speaking, because all these, because it was basically glorifying suicide, yep. if you think about it. It's like, it's like, oh, wow, it's like all this attention can be created around if I commit suicide. And so it was a very, like, um, it was very, and I watched the first season and I was like, this is really heavy because it totally does. It kind of just glorifies that idea. And it was, which is so sad. And it brings back, like, to what I was taught. It's like everything we put on, in, and around our body, whether it is sound vibration, what we're watching, who we talk to, who we hang out with, to the food we eat to what we're drinking, everything has an effect Mm. on consciousness. And it's either covering us in darkness, if you want to like, quote unquote, put it that way, or it's going to help elevate us to a more spiritually elevated place. And so much of this materials, sound vibration and, television shows and whatever it is, is covering the consciousness in a very dark way a lot of the times if you see it, right? So it's like, and it is easy to kind of get down, go down these rabbit holes of like Hollywood controlling everything that, like mind control, right? Because I feel like there's a whole conspiracy theory on how like Hollywood is behind this mind control that's trying to completely, and it's like to an extent, it's like, I'm like, there are a lot of conspiracy theories that are like really extreme, but there's always a sliver of truth, I think, behind everything, right? It's like, whatever way you cut it, it's like somebody took a little bit of truth and then went with it. Right. Right. So it's kind of like, there's definitely, whether they're intentionally doing it or not, who knows? And it's like, is anybody ever going to come out and like, outright say like yeah we're trying to mind control yeah. all of society through our t- 
TV shows and series and movies? Oh, probably not. Yeah, but I think if the intention is to make money, you know, mm-hmm. then to me, it becomes a nefarious intent and you're trying to get people involved or, or hooked or to watch, uh, it doesn't, the truth doesn't matter. You know, what matters is the drama or sort of manipulation. Yeah. Um, and so, I, I mean, I, it's just, I'm thinking about drug use. Anything, anytime I see drugs being portrayed on television or movies, it looks super cool. Like, like you should be doing it. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's it's a wild thing. And it's like, it's like as my son gets older, it's like he is watching those types of movies and like, and seeing that type of stuff. So I always have to just be very real with him and also remind him of, because like in living in Venice, he had like this very deep fear of like the homeless people there. Not just like all of the homeless people, but the ones that are clearly on something if yeah. not multiple things like he had this deep fear of them um because as kids it's like they're very susceptible to energy right and what what is safe and what is dangerous and so like i'd be very upfront with them and just be like well that's what happens when you do too many drugs or if you do this you know what i mean so it's like when we see movies like that it's like you have to remind them of like the reality that it could take you down or even something like guns. It's like, I don't have an issue with people owning guns, but I feel like a lot of these movies, they glorify guns and it's such a cool thing to own a gun. Right. So I, one, a few years back, I had him watch, I forget what the movie is called, but it was by Mel Gibson and it was about the, um, Braveheart, the Adventist guy who joins the army and it's like yeah. sent to the front lines as a medic, right? But it because it really shows you, like, it's very real. Like, Mel Gibson did a really great job on portraying what war and guns and all these weapons actually do. But they're not fucking toys. And it's not just something that's cool to stuff in your pants. It's like, they're weapons, right? So it's like, I'm very clear with my son as to, like, the reality of, like, yeah, sure. It could be fun and it's going to be deemed as cool throughout all your social groups for sure, because that's what kids are going to be telling you. But this could be the reality. And especially with him, because we have the addict gene in my family. Both my grandparents were alcoholics. His biological father is an alcoholic. It's like, I'm very real with him and like you could go down a very dark path. So you're going to have to make a choice as to what you do. Right. It's like I said, it's like walking this very fine line. Yeah. Well, I feel like I feel like like navigate it. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I was talking to a friend of mine uh, for a podcast a couple days ago and he was asking me about how I'm doing out here in LA. He's in Detroit. And I, I, strangely have a hard time leaving the house now. And he said, well, it was because of COVID. And I said, no, it's, I don't think it's because of COVID. I'm not worried about that. But there is this strange energy in the air out here. And let me, a very quick story. My girlfriend and I were bike riding yesterday and we go on these long rides to Hermosa. And part of it, we're on a street, on streets as opposed to bike lanes. And this woman's making a left turn in her SUV and she's like kind of cutting me off and then almost hitting my girlfriend. And so I yell out to her, um, I, I'm not swearing, but I was pretty pissed off. I said, you know, look, look out, look out where you're going, but I'm yelling. And then all of a sudden this guy out of nowhere walking in the street starts yelling F-bombs at me and my girlfriend telling us to fuck off. And there's that moment in my head where I'm thinking to myself, if I say something right, if I told that guy to fuck off, I could tell he was just going to go nuts. And, and, and my girlfriend's like, who knows, maybe he has a gun or something. And it's, I, I feel that right now. And like, I feel like anything. And so it's, it, this is the thing that pisses me off so much about COVID and the restrictions and everything. It's like, they think they're doing the right thing, potentially. But if you tell a bunch of people just to stay home and wear masks all the day, and I realize the restrictions have sort of been lifted, mm-hmm. you're going to create a lot of anxiety, I, I think. Yeah. Well, absolutely. I mean, well, this whole thing, it's like statistically, like depression, 
stress, suicide, anxiety, all those things have gone through the roof. Yeah. Like astronomically um, during the course of shutdown, because it's like, you have to understand, it's like people are now stressing out about finances, losing their home. So many people lost jobs, um, really stressing out about their livelihood. And then you have to add the fear factor of, this virus could kill you, right? And so people go into this fight or flight mode, which is a natural instinctual thing that happens to humans because we are part of the animal kingdom, right? We are we will be put in fight or flight mode. And I feel like that is why you saw so many ridiculous ridiculous things, like people fighting over toilet paper or people getting in your face if you're not wearing a mask. Like they will literally get in your face and you're like, hey, hey, we were six feet apart. Right. <laughs> but now you're in my face and now I need a mask because you're now in my face, you know? So it's like, it, it's, it's, a cra- it's a crazy time we live in. Is it, <laughs> but, uh, how was it compared, like when you were in LA, did you sense a difference then as opposed to like? Absolutely. What did you? F- in North Carolina, we shut down from March to September. Okay. Like everything was shut down. Um, of 2020. Um, and the governor, like beaches were closed March to about June and then, and masks were mandated. Um, but again, because it is the South and I, it's definitely even, this is the first year that I think North Carolina was blue as opposed to Republican. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is, but like, Masks were mandated. You're supposed to wear them out in public, outside, but they never went to the point where they closed down parks. And they, like I said, they closed the beaches for three months, but then opened them. And it was supposed to be respect the six feet apart thing, wear masks. Um, but I mean, cause I was walking my dog and taking my son out. There were people who would wear masks out in nature parks and, I was not because it's like I'm outside in the sun breathing fresh air, which right. is one of the best things you can be doing in this whole course of everything. And it's like if people were walking by and were wearing masks, I would create that six foot distance to be respectful of them. Right. It's, sure. But it's like in my head, it doesn't make sense to be wearing a mask outdoors when you're not around anybody else. Um, and you're outside with fresh air and trees all around you or the ocean, right? It's like, it, it just didn't make sense, but that was kind of the majority of people within North Carolina, especially here in Wilmington. I definitely think more people were kind of of that mindset of like, I'm outside, I'm on the beach, I'm walking in a nature preserve. I don't need a mask because I'm by myself or I'm with the person I live with. Right. So it was kind of like, that was very nice. Cause I was deaf. I was in it back in LA back in September too, which I know was kind of a lull for COVID in California. Right. But there was definitely a very intense energy. Um, a, like it just felt very heavy and people were on edge. Yeah. Right. And it's like, and I really feel like because of the shutdown and like so many people did have to stay inside for so long. And especially in LA, they took away everything that had to do with mental health Hmm. from breathing fresh air to exercise or any form of body movement I mean, I am one of my best friends out there as a therapist and she had to shut down her offices and it's like they literally (laughs) took away everything to help people with their mental health through one of the times that mental health help was probably more needed than ever before. Yeah. And so and I feel like people are still very much in that state of needing mental health help. Well, this is why I get so, you know, I, I know it I can sound conspiratorial and I don't even care, but this, I, I, I think this, this thing exists. But when you have a media doing nothing but talking about one thing over and over again, 
and saying the only thing you can do is stay home or now get a vaccine, when they're only talking about those two things and they're not talking about anything else, I, yeah. I just, I think it creates uh, chaos. I think Absolutely. it creates um, not intelligent dialogue about immune systems and being healthy. Well, not at all, because it becomes, it becomes all about, well, most people are just listening to what they hear on the news, right? Because there are so many doctors who have come out kind of speaking against how they're going about this. And then they get demonized, right? I was actually talking with a friend the other day and just kind of like jokingly, but not kind of saying like, this is going to be, I feel like what we're going to find ourselves in is kind of like a new age witch hunt where people who are talking about actual health and immunity and natural forms of medicine, plant medicines, and just taking care of your body and your immune system in eating healthy, they are going to become the witches. Mm. And we have big pharma who are, who's going to try and completely annihilate them, strip them of their doctor's licensing and completely demonize them because they're going against what big pharma wants to push out to the world. I read this article in NPR where they were talking about treating treating human beings like animals, and and if the way that the Nazi the the Nazis thought of the Jews, they were mm-hmm. making people think that they were savage animals and they deserved yeah. what they get. And there is this strange exactly. there's this strange thing happening right now where that's there people are making others feel like dogs and animals if they don't yeah Yeah. it's just and that's again it comes back to the power of sound vibration right and altering someone's consciousness because it's like that with the nazis it's like they were comparing them to not just animals but to like rats and these things that you don't want to round that you would naturally kill if they were in your home right they were comparing them to these very filthy just like the bottom of the list, like things that ordinarily you'd be like, oh yeah, why are we keeping them around? <laughs> right. Right. And so it's like, but that continual sound vibration shifted enough people's consciousness to be like, oh yeah, these Jewish people are like, they're filthy, they're disgusting, they're out, right? So it's yeah. like- If something is repeated over and over again. Over and over again, it alters the consciousness. It completely veils the intelligence and the consciousness um, and conditions you to think that that is truth. Yeah. Ultimately. And so it's like, it's, it's really, it really is scary to think that that is happening. And, and it is, to, on so many degrees and levels, right? It's like there are people who are so pro-vax that if you are saying you're not going to get the vaccine or you don't trust it, but you give logical reasons as to why, whether it's the ingredients of the vaccine or the fact that this is the trial run, this is part of a science, like a study really to see if this thing works or not you have to sign four waivers of liability that is basically giving the doctors, big pharma, the government, just complete freedom from any adverse side effects. And then it's like, and these same people are generally the same people who it's like, they think theirs, which is a database Mm -hmm. of anybody who's ever had an adverse side effect to vaccines, they can go and upload that. And that actually is uploaded onto the CDC as well. Right. It's they're like, but they're completely like alienating or like demonizing these people who are uploading their adverse side effects to these vaccines. And in my head, I'm just, I'm, completely like dumbfounded and I'm just kind of like well you can't do that because these are the trial runs you've been told that 
You know that you didn't have adverse side effects and that's great for you. But it's like, we can't just completely erase or annihilate these people who are coming forth and saying this happened to me because of the vaccine. I've seen so many people who are like so far on either edge of it that it's just like, it creates so much division really. And you can't sit and have like a cordial conversation about like, well, why, why I'm not getting vaccinated. You can't sit and have a cordial conversation because there's so much you become this evil, heartless person who doesn't care about anybody but yourself, right? Well, the media back what media is pushing. Right, exactly. The media has pushed that. Yeah, the media pushes that and it's really sad. And it's like and as like a single mom, it's like if I were to get the shot and have an adverse side effect, because I've seen so many where they get, I forget what it's called, but their body just is completely trembling all the time. It's like I can't take that risk. I have a child who's depending on me and my mom is now 72. Her body is getting older. And it's like, she lives here with me in Wilmington and like, I'm the only family she has here. So it's like, if I go into this and get this shot and then have this adverse side effect, I have two people that are definitely one person who's depending on me and my mom as she gets older that's why I have her here is that she, I can take care of her. Right. Sure. The, the, then they, their job becomes taking care of someone who had before was completely healthy and capable of taking care of them. Right. And that's not a risk I'm willing to take. So it's like COVID is just one thing, one variable in an equation that is making people sick and dying, but nobody's talking about the rest of it. I think our culture has developed so many bad habits health-wise, and it's Hmm. like at any point the media or the CDC could have focused on something that has been causing serious illness over the last five, ten years. And again, this is is just, you know, I'm not trying to be insensitive, but when I go... Neither am I. And that's, and that's the thing. Cause it's like, I'm not saying COVID isn't real. I'm not saying people are not getting sick. I'm not saying people are dying. Absolutely. 100% that is happening. And I understand the scare of COVID when you consider that 87% of our country is considered metabolically unhealthy. Hmm. That means that 87% of our country is at high risk of getting COVID and potentially having like a really hard time with it. Right. But that is because of things like diabetes and obesity and high blood pressure and heart disease and all these other things, ailments that have to do with health and what we're eating and what we're putting in our body on a regular day to day basis. And that's not being talked about. Instead, we have McDonald's offering free vaccines at locations and if you come in and get a vaccine you get a free meal i, I can't are you serious <laughs> no that literally oh i dropped an article when i was actually in california they, it said that like 72 locations within california mcdonald's was offering that like free vaccines at the restaurant restaurant quote unquote yeah. um and if you come in and get a vaccine you also get a coupon for a free meal And I was just like, that's insane. Like, instead of mandating vaccines, maybe we should outlaw McDonald's and (laughs) all these drive and take off 50% of what's on grocery food store shelves and actually really educate people on getting their body to a state where it is healthy. And if they do come in contact with the virus, they will be less likely to get super sick and potentially dying from it, Yeah. right? That's what we should be talking about. But over the course of this last year and almost a half now, that's never been discussed. And if people are talking about it, they're conspiracy theorists or they're insensitive, you know, and it's, it's just really disheartening because that's what needs to be talked about. Well, and I, and I think all of what's going on is 
it's actually making us more divided. I really feel for like the younger generations, like the kids or even my sister who just moved to Australia, her baby's only one and a half, but she had her back in September of 2019, then shutdown happened in March. I remember last year in 2020, they came out to visit in July and my niece was six months at that time. She had started making this face. She would do this like like buggy eye thing and the rest of her face would kind of like almost look like it was getting sucked into a vacuum. Right. But she'd do these big eyes and my sister, like we would laugh about it, but my sister was like, she's like, yeah, I don't, she just started doing it. I don't know why. I was like, Darshan, I honestly think it's because she's seen people from here. Mm. Like that is the only form of expression she knows. And people are probably coming up like, and so that's what she thinks of. Yeah. But she doesn't know what's happening under the mask, right? So she's not going to be able to read facial expressions <laughs> or, you know what I mean? So it's, yeah, but even like things like my sister was saying during shutdown after they opened the parks in LA, she would take Bodhi to the park. And it's not only what the media is saying, but what these children's parents yeah. are suggesting submitting them to right because it's like she was at the park and Bodhi who's one at this point goes up to go play with another kid and whether it was the nanny or the parent I don't know she didn't know but the woman who was watching this other kid she comes up and is like oh no 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 don't play with her don't share your toys don't like it's it's crazy it's it's literally turning people into these like germaphobic self-centered like don't interact with other people. Don't share your things. Don't share your water. Don't like keep everything to yourself. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. So I really do feel very bad for like the younger generations. And it's like, luckily here in Wilmington, it's my son never had to get subjugated to that. I was watching like, back to the Ellen Page uh, Oprah talk. Mm-hmm. Ellen, I'm sorry, um, not Elliot. Elliot Page. He was, you know, he's very um, emotional, talking about the struggle that he's been going through, going through this process. Mm-hmm. But then he said something about like, look, you know, I know it can sound very um, privileged. You know, here here he is, a multimillionaire, talking about his problems. Right. So I was, this kind of relates to like BLM. And then I forgot about um, what it was called when there was the Asia, Asian movement. What was it called? Stop Asian Hate. Stop Asian Hate. Yeah. I feel like when you get into comparing other people, when you get into comparing people's problems, Mm -hmm. that's problematic. Absolutely. Like, like I have my own set of problems, and yeah. and sometimes they're terrible, and sometimes they're you know I sound privileged and ridiculous about complaining about them, but yeah. I, and I start thinking about Asian people that I know have had lots of racism and hatred pointed towards them, and they tell me the stories, and so mm-hmm. like during that during that time they were they were telling me well you know what about the racism that I've been experiencing, and of course you know then stop Asian hate came out. But I think when we get into people talking about problems, it, it feels like I can almost see why resentment can sort of start because we all have our set of problems. And, and I don't know what it's like to experience your problems that I'm never going to because I'm not you. Exactly. Because within like my yin and yang classes, because one thing that comes up a lot for people is trauma and emotional triggers and responses will just come up because you're working within the energetic body within yin and yang yoga but really in all forms of yoga right like i see this i've seen this meme where it's like pigeon pose should come up with a warning label of like caution might create unexpected crying or whatever it is i saw like a little meme back in the day but it's like in Chinese medicine, we're only working with 12 of over 72,000 
meridian lines or naughty lines. Um, but the energetic body is part of the emotional body in the sense that it is the receptor of experiences we go through or traumas and the emotions that are tied to those experiences. But it's supposed to be what the conduit of which we experience, but then ultimately flush out of our, our body. And that it only becomes a problem when we hold on to these experiences and these emotions, right? It's like, because in Taoism, there's no such thing as a positive or negative emotion, right? Like anger, which within our society and our culture would de be labeled negative, hmm. where something like patience would be a positive attribute, right? In Taoism, there's no such thing as positive or negative emotions. They're just emotions. We're bound to experience them, right? Everybody has to experience pain. Everybody will experience love. Everybody will experience hate. And everybody will experience kindness at some point in their life, right? So it's not that it's a negative or a positive. They are just emotions that we have to experience. But it's an imbalance of emotions that creates problems, within the body like right you it's becoming more and more talked about um how we store trauma within the physical body and it really stems from ayurveda or these very ancient eastern medicines but in i or in like Taoism, like i said it, it when it comes to traumas to try and say someone's trauma is more extreme than another person's trauma you can't say that because it's like what people are experiencing and how they're experiencing it. That's how they're experiencing it. And what are you to say that is worse because you're not experiencing it. Right. Yeah. And it's like, and obviously it's very easy to build resentment against hearing that when it's like, as far as like the black communities goes, like they've, experience so much heavy trauma that fucking lynching and people being killed is definitely worse <laughs> right yes. than i was in a car crash once or you know what i mean or yeah. like my story as a single mom it's like i had the biological father choose from day one not only to not be a part of it but was pushing for abortion for six months in my pregnancy. That's a traumatic experience. And it's like, but to try and compare the two, they're, they're different. And it's like, and they have a different effect, right? It's like, cause the black community is like, this is a generational trauma. Whereas like for me, my worry in, for Nakula is that he was in my womb while I was having to go through that emotional trauma of having his biological father <clears throat> dump me because I was keeping his child and pushing for an abortion six months into my pregnancy, you know, so it, mm. because that trauma is transferred to a baby in the womb. So it's, it's like in the, I guess, in the perspective of, like, I guess, a scale of one to ten, like, obviously, definitely what the black people have experienced is worse. But I saw a lot of videos. Like yeah, but, emo saying. but emotionally, I'm sure what you were. But em uh, right, exactly. And that's, and that's why, like, within therapy and Ayurveda and, like, Taoism, they say you can't say one person's trauma is worse than another's because that person has experienced trauma. And to try and put your perspective or experience it from your perspective is impossible because you're never going to, right? So it's like we just have to honor anyone and everyone's trauma as their own and try and do it from a place of being not sympathetic, but like empathetic. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's like that is easier said than done right but that is the practice of just trying to be a little bit more empathetic of like putting yourself in someone else's shoes rather than trying to see it from 
your perspective. Can, or- can empathy, I guess my last point, then I'll let you go. I guess it's weird. I, I struggle with this. Sometimes I feel like there's these forces in the world, like, you know, you think about equality, immune systems. There's they're sort of like these abstract ideas yeah. that I feel like people, institutions are trying to sort of like control, but, but life is so chaotic and almost out of control. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, like, do you feel like life is just sort of like this, this strange rhythm of chaos and control? And, and we really, you know, it's, it's like Fauci in the world wants to try to make you think that they have your best interests. They're in control. Everything's going to be okay. And, and, yeah. But but is it ever really? You know, it's. Well, that, but that's the thing. It's like so within yoga or the Vedas, it's like, and you learned about this in teacher training. But the yugas or the ages of the universe, right? The seasons yeah. the universe goes through. There's that argument that we're entering a golden era, right? Like there's so many people out there that are arguing that we're in a golden era or about to. Um, Whereas in the Vedas, it very clearly describes how we're in what is called Kali Yuga. And Kali Yuga is the age of coral chaos and confusion. And if you look at the climate of the world we're living in, you'd be like, yeah, that is blatantly apparent. Um, And so with that understanding, it's like, I don't just say, oh, well, fuck it. Not going to try and make the world a better place. You know, it's like I'm still trying to raise people's awareness and prepare or try and like raise people's consciousness. If a golden age is on the other side, we have to raise our consciousness and our vibrations and actually talk about deep spiritual matters like the existence of the soul and karma and reincarnation and the existence of God. We have to be able to talk about that type of stuff or else it's always going to be the argument of black versus white, Asian, Latino, Jewish, Hindu, right? Because those are all bodily identifications anyways. And so unless we can actually start raising our consciousness to transcend these temporary material labels, there's always going to be division and Mm. confusion and chaos and right versus wrong right and it's like so unless we can get on the same page of like actually operating from a spiritually based plane it's always going to be a shit show right (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately that is the reality of it and it's like i just and it's only when you can actually start seeing yourself as a soul and then understanding things like karma and reincarnation that it's like you actually can come into that place of surrender acceptance that it's like all these things do happen for a reason. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I really think unless you can um, er eradicate everything, you know, as yourself. Right. And that's ultimately the scariest part of like self-realization or coming to this understanding that you're a spiritual being is the eradication of everything you think you know as who you are getting rid of all the labels that you've attached to the body and for everybody that's a very fucking scary thing right because you're erasing who you think you are you you have to let that persona go and come to this like blank slate and do it all over again yeah but on a very deep and subtle level right where it's much easier to glom on to oh well i have brown skin I'm half Japanese. It's much easier to do that because it's like, it's the concrete. It's what we see. It's what we feel. It's what we can touch with these hands and these eyes. It's so interesting. I think about that. Uh, Last little thing and I'll let you go. I think it is easy to talk about like, you know, the superficial and skin color. To me, it's difficult to create empathy empathy and curiosity. I mean, to, to me, that's what, I don't know if those can even be taught, but you know, when you look at somebody, you need to think about curious and empathy as opposed to what's their skin color. I mean, to me, that's just yeah. sort of like the easy way out. Absolutely. Well, and that's the thing. It's like I wrote a post for 
Asian hate because it was funny. It's like I had a, quite a few people reach out to me, whether it was DM or whatever it was, checking in after that nail salon had a shooting mm-hmm. and maybe Asian people died or something. Um, but not people I know well. And I think it's more the the politically correct way of showing someone you care about them, hmm. right? Because I'm half Asian. So people were reaching out and asking how I was doing through it. And and so I wrote that post about it as to like how this is, this is a sickness that runs much deeper than, well, I'm Asian, you're black, you're white. Um, it's a sickness of the consciousness, like I said, of, our awareness of like thinking that we are these bodies it's a sickness it's and that can only be healed through spiritual dialogue yeah and really coming to understand that you're the soul because like all my closest friends i didn't hear from them because they know that it's like i don't identify as like oh well i'm a japanese woman you know it's like i really do see myself as as the soul, as a soul, the spiritual being. And within that body of Eddie, there's a spiritual being. And within my dog's body, there's a spiritual being. And within all these 15 plants I have in my room, there's spiritual beings in there. And we all come from the same place. We come from the same source. We're all brothers and sisters on that level of spirit. And so I try to treat all living entities with the same love and respect. That I would show my son or my sister or my brother or my mother, right? It's like, regardless of the body they're in, because the body's temporary. The dog lives maybe 14 years. And so, yeah. just like COVID-19, we can't just attack the virus. We have to talk about immunity and health, right? Because it's like, as long as we're working within the material realm, I don't think equality is something we'll ever actually see if we're identifying as humans, animals, black, right. white, right? It's like, you're going to always have division and differences. We're calling for all this reformation, like police reform or blaming this person in office and that person as president and da, 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 right. We're blaming all these other people and we're demanding change, but it's like, what good does that change make if we're just replacing these people in that mentality with more people that are in the same mentality? Yeah. Because we're not changing people's consciousness or their mentality and their conditioning It's like so many people have been conditioned to think that this is it. We're this body, this skin color, this religion, whatever it is, that's the conditioning they've been put through. And so it's not going to get better if we're just replacing this group of people with another group of people that are in the same conditioning or the same thought process. Before I say bye, where are you, like, what's your yoga schedule now? Where are you teaching? I'm just teaching at Yoga Salt in um, Wilmington. I teach in the studio three days a week on the pier on Wednesday mornings. And then I'm also a part of Bodhi Life. It's an online platform that Kamal and a group of us teachers, a lot of them from Yoga Salt, put together during shutdown. It was, um, we filmed, I filmed just myself over 50 hours worth of content during shutdown. This last week, that was part of the thing. I just came home from LA and hit the ground running. I filmed 25 more classes in wow. five days. Um, so Bodhi Live, it's now up and launched. It's like a membership platform, but it's only, I think it's $100 for the year. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's like $7.99 a month or something if you sign up for the year. Um, yeah, but that's right. about it. I'm cool. teaching in the studio, my private clients, and then Bodhi is taking a lot of my attention and energy, but hopefully for the better. Yeah. Because uh, it's like an online platform is something that so many of my students, once I moved from Orange County to LA, they asked if I was going to do it. And then from LA to North Carolina, they asked if I was going to do it. Sure. Shut down kind of forced me to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I also think because of shutdown and with things opening now, people are kind of like, 
I don't want to fucking look at another computer screen for like five years. Yeah. I'm gonna studio. Um, but I mean, I have such so many students in LA and yeah. in California in general that I'm sure are very grateful for the fact that I'm doing it. Um, so those are the only two cool. places I'm at right now. Yeah, Yoga Salt and Bodhi Live. Nice. Yeah. Well, it's always great to talk to you and see, to you. see you. Yeah, and say you. say yeah. say hi, please, to Tamal and I will the crew. I will, sure. Yeah, definitely. We're all out here. We're Thanks. slowly trying to drag the West Coast. Over I know, here. I know, right? Um, yeah, but cool. I will let him know you say hello and yeah. Cool. Always good to talk to you. Likewise, Aisha. I'll see you soon. I'll see you soon. Bye. Good night.